Chapter Nine: Brenda, Her School, and Her Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brenda, Her School, and Her Club by Helen Leah Reed. Chapter Nine: A Mysterious Mansion. At the corner nearly opposite Miss Crawdon's school. Stood a large, old-fashioned mansion of brick, painted light brown. It was a detached house, almost surrounded by a high wall. In the wall was a pillared gateway, and each pillar was surmounted by two large balls that looked as if they had dropped from the mouth of a great cannon. Behind the fence and close to the house were two little garden beds, and there were three or four trees in the yard back of the house. It was said that the mansion had once been surrounded with extensive grounds that sloped downhill almost to the river, but new streets and houses had gradually encroached on these grounds until hardly a trace of them remained. There was never a sign of life seen about the old house. Windows and doors were always closed. Even the blinds were seldom drawn up, though once in a while. At an upper window, some of the schoolgirls said that they had seen a woman's figure seated behind the lace curtains. Occasionally, too, on sunny days, they had noticed a large, old-fashioned carriage drive up under the porte cochere, while an old lady, very much wrapped up and attended evidently by a maid, entered it. In taking their walks at recess, the girls always passed this house, and as schoolgirls, they naturally felt much curiosity. About the lady who occupied it, since she seemed to be surrounded by an air of mystery. They knew, of course, her name, Madame Dulaunay, and some of the girls had heard more about her from their parents. My mother, said Frances Pounder, says that my grandmother told her that Mom Dulaunay was a very beautiful girl. She married a Frenchman whom her family despised, and she stayed in Europe until after her father's death. Was the Frenchman rich? Asked Edith, in rather an awe-stricken voice, for the story sounded very romantic. The girls at this moment happened to be seated on the steps leading to the school, and Frances was in her element when she had an interested group hanging on her words. Oh dear, no! He wasn't rich at all. He was a cook or a hairdresser or something like that, only very good-looking. But when Mum Delaunay's father died. She had three little children, and her father was so proud, he was a Holtum. He couldn't bear to think of her coming to want, so he left her all his fortune just the same as if she hadn't married beneath her. That was right," said Nora approvingly. "I think it's ridiculous for fathers to cut their children off with a penny the way they used to." "Well," responded Frances, "I think it's a great deal more ridiculous for people to marry beneath them." Of course you'd think that, Frances," interposed Bell. "There, there, don't begin to quarrel, children," said Nora. "Go on with the story, Frances. What did Mum Delaunay do when she got her money? Oh, she brought her Frenchman and her children to Boston, and she lived at a hotel while she began to build this house. Some people went to see her, but the Frenchman was a terribly ill-mannered little thing, and nobody liked him because he was so familiar." Mum Delaunay and he were hardly ever invited anywhere, 
and they spent most of their time driving about in a great carriage, which held the whole family and a maid and governess. I should think they would have stopped building the house. Oh, no, said Edith. They kept on, and after a while they went to Europe to buy things for it. They had more than a shipload, and they say that everything was perfectly beautiful. Foreign rugs, and tapestry, and glass, and gilt furniture. Dear me, I should love to have seen it. Well, it's all there in the house now, but you'd have to be a good deal smarter than anyone I know to see it. Why, Francis, do you mean that no one ever goes there? asked Julia. Yes, that's just what I mean. I don't suppose anyone in Boston except the doctor and two or three very old people have ever been inside that door. Yes, that's true, added Edith. I've heard my mother speak of it. Mumdalani is terribly peculiar. I should think she'd be lonely, said Julia. I dare say she is, replied Francis, but it's awfully selfish to shut up a great house like that. Why does she do it? Oh, I believe when she came back from Europe the second time, she set out to give a great ball. She sent invitations to everyone, no matter whether people had called on her or not. Of course, very few people went, only her relations and a few others. This made her so angry that she vowed she'd have nothing more to do with people in Boston. Not long afterward, her husband died. Then her children died, or turned out badly, and she has just lived alone ever since. It sounds rather sad, said Julia, when Francis had finished. Nonsense, Julia, said Brenda. You're so sentimental. No, she isn't at all, cried Edith. It is really sad. I wonder what became of the children. Here Belle spoke up. I've heard that the boys all died. One of them ran away to sea and was drowned. But I believe the girl married someone her mother didn't like, and so she disinherited her. She may be living somewhere, but she must be an old woman herself, for my grandmother says that Mom Delaunay is about eighty. As the girls looked toward the house, they saw a figure standing behind the curtains of the window over the front door. There she is now, the girls cried. Wouldn't you like to go inside? said Nora to Edith. I don't know that I'm really anxious to, replied the latter. Oh, I am, said Nora, and a moment later she cried out to Francis. Francis, you're rather clever. Can't you suggest some way by which I can find my way inside that house? Wouldn't one of your great aunts give me an introduction to Mom Delaunay? I'm just dying to see what is inside those brick walls. No, responded Francis rather scornfully. If they could, they wouldn't, but I'm sure they haven't kept up any acquaintance with Mom Delaunay. Well, replied Nora, I'll find a way. Mark my words, before the present crescent moon is old, I shall have at least a speaking acquaintance with Mom Delaunay. Poor thing, she must be very lonely. I don't believe she'd appreciate your society particularly, Nora. For one thing, you're pretty young, said Edith. No matter, I'm going to know her. Come, Brenda, I'll confide in you. So Brenda and Nora walked down the street, leaving the other girls to wonder what they were planning. 
This was by no means the first time that the girls at Miss Crawdon's school had discussed Mom Delaney and her affairs. Indeed, each set of girls had wondered about her and her beautiful furniture, and her music box that played a hundred airs, and all her foreign treasures, and her possessions lost nothing in splendor as the girls told what they had heard about them. Of the four friends, Belle and Edith were most indifferent to the house across the way. But a number of others among the schoolgirls seemed inclined to join Nora and Brenda in whatever they were planning. One day, as they walked about at recess, they saw the old lady leave the house and enter her carriage. They were too polite to stand and gaze at her, but some of them could not resist the temptation of staring at the carriage as it rolled by. The next day, Nora and Brenda were seen to be very much interested in playing ball. They tossed it from one to the other, and occasionally, as they passed the brick mansion, they let it roll within the gateway on the graveled walk. There were half a dozen girls walking in front of the old house and tossing the ball. As they played, the ball rose higher and higher. Nora and Brenda were standing almost inside the gateway, when suddenly the ball seemed to fling itself against one of the windows, and the crash of breaking glass was heard. Some of the girls looked frightened and hurried across the street toward the school. Brenda, too, started to go, but Nora took her by the hand. "'Remember your promise,' she said, so loudly that two of the other girls who were crossing the street turned about and joined them. Just at that moment the school bell rang, and rather reluctantly the girls turned back to school. Nora and Brenda paid very little attention to their lessons the rest of the morning. Some of their friends who had witnessed the mischief done by the ball were also excited. They all more than half expected— to see Mom Delaney's aged servant-man make his appearance to complain of the injury done to the window. As it drew near two o'clock, and nothing of the kind had happened, they were really disappointed. "'We're not going home with you,' cried Nora, as she and Brenda and the two other conspirators walked down the steps of the school. "'Why not?' asked Edith from the dressing-room. "'Oh, we have something to attend to,' replied Nora." "'Well,' said Edith, "'luncheon is the most important thing that I have to attend to just now.' "'What shall I say to your mother?' asked Julia, as she saw Brenda preparing to turn in the opposite direction from home. "'Don't say anything, Julia. I'm not a baby to need looking after.' Julia had no answer for this inconsiderate speech, for indeed she had become only too well accustomed to Brenda's little rudenesses. "'Let's wait and see what they're going to do,' suggested Edith, looking toward Nora and Brenda, and the two or three others who had joined them. "'I must go on,' answered Julia. "'I ought to be at—' "'I'll wait,' spoke up Belle. "'Come, you can stay, Edith.' So the two friends waited near the school, while Brenda and Nora and the others crossed the street to Mom Delaney's mansion. They were surprised to see them ring the bell, and, after a moment— when the door was opened, to see them step inside. Not many minutes later they saw the door reopen, as the girls, looking somewhat crestfallen, turned away from the house. "'What in the world were you up to?' called Belle, rather excitedly, as they turned homeward. "'Wait till we get out of sight of the house,' said Nora, "'and I'll tell you. It was this way. I had just made up my mind that I'd see the inside of that house.' "'Francis Pounder seemed so sure I couldn't. 
"'So I thought and thought, and today, when we were playing ball, "'you see we broke the window.' "'On purpose, I do believe. "'Why, Nora, I should think you'd be ashamed.' "'Well, I had the money in my pocket to pay for it. "'That was what we went for after school.' But that queer old butler, really, I almost laughed in his face. However, I managed to say, I'm extremely sorry, but I broke a pane of glass in the window over the front door when I was playing ball this morning. We hadn't discovered it, miss, he said, as solemn as could be. Then you might go and look, I replied, and if you will please tell Mom Delaney that I'd like to pay for it, I'll be greatly obliged. I thought that while he was looking at the glass and talking to the old lady, he'd at least ask us into the reception room or drawing room, but not a bit of it. There's a little vestibule just beyond the front door, and there he left us. He asked us to sit down, and we did sit down, on the edge of two great black settles there in the marble vestibule. When he came back, I felt sure he was going to take us straight up to Mom Delaney. Instead of that, he merely said, Mum Delaney presents her compliments, and is greatly obliged to you for telling her about the window. She couldn't think of letting you pay for it, as an apology is quite enough. And you didn't see anything in the house? No, not a thing, though as he opened the door into the hall we caught a glimpse of a big gilded table, and an enormous piece of tapestry over the stairs. Wasn't it mean, after all our efforts— "'Who has won the bet, you or Francis?' asked Bell. "'I'm not sure. I have been in the house, and I haven't,' replied Nora. "'I should think you'd have been frightened to death. "'What would you have done if you had seen the old lady?' "'I don't know, I'm sure. "'There were so many of us we shouldn't have been frightened.' "'And Nora looked at Brenda and the other girl, "'who were vehemently describing the adventure. "'End of chapter 9 Read today by Deborah Knight in the state of Illinois, February 6, 2011.